0: Grace, peace, and mercy be unto you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Every day we enter and exit doors, the door to the house, the car, the store, the office. Today as you came to worship, you entered the door to the church. But have you ever walked up to a door to go in through it and it was locked? Of course, we all have. When I was 17, I was looking forward to our vacation to New York City, and I saved all my money to visit King Carol Record Store, the largest record store in Manhattan. Couldn't wait to find some rare and out-of-print albums I wanted in my collection. We walk up to the place, I pull the door, locked. Sign said, closed for inventory. Man, I was so disappointed. Coming back from one of our youth. Uh, youth beach trips, you know. Uh, we always stop at Camp 18 for dinner on the way home. It's a tradition I started in 2010. But in 2017, we pull up to the place, hungry and tired, pull the big axe door handle, you know, locked. Sign says, closed for kitchen upgrade. <laughs> in the summer, peak season, and Camp 18's closed disappointing. We've all experienced it. You go to that specialty retail store to get something you can't get anywhere else, pull the door handle, locked. Go to your favorite little hole-in-the-wall restaurant, locked. Closed for a family event, or sometimes closed for good, like out-of-business closed. There's disappointment when the door is closed and locked. So keep that image of a door in your mind as we look closer at our reading from Luke chapter 13. The reading begins with someone asking Jesus a question. Lord, will those who are saved be few? This was a common debate back then among the rabbis. Who and how many people are going to be saved? when it all comes to an end? Even today, people ask this question. What is the standard for salvation? What about those who are good people and just want to live a good life? Will they be saved? What if someone never had a chance to hear about Jesus? Do they get a free pass to salvation? Jesus is so great with these kinds of questions because, well being God in the flesh, he knows the answer, but he has a way of flipping the question from the theoretical to the practical. Rather than asking, will those who are saved be few? He asks, will the saved be you? He shifts from the few to you. And so the question is, will you be saved? Jesus says that the people in the towns and villages, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. With the image of a narrow door, he gives an answer to the theoretical question, yes, only a few will be saved. Many will try to enter and will be turned away. So what about this narrow door then? Well, it could be a reference to a small gate, to the main city gate, which a lot of walled cities like Jerusalem had, where latecomers would enter after the main rush of people had gone in and the the main doors were closed for security. But it could also be a reference to someone's estate. You know, not everyone was welcomed to a wealthy person's estate. So, in essence, the gate or doorway to it was narrow. Because only a few could get in. You know, the owner, his family, and maybe a few invited guests. Whatever the reference is, it's a narrow door. And Jesus says it will take effort to enter. In fact, the word used in the original language for this is where we get our word, agony. In the first century, the word agon was connected to the Greco-Roman games where men fought against one another. And Paul uses the same word in First Timothy to refer to our efforts to fight the good fight of faith. It all suggests that there's a level of struggle in the Christian life. You know, there's effort involved in following Jesus on his mission to save people. Read that bestseller from 1678, Pilgrim's Progress to see what Jesus is saying here. For most of my life, I thought Pilgrim's Progress was about the pilgrims coming to America. And so I had no interest in it. But later I found out it's an allegory about the life of a Christian. And the main character's name is Christian. How original, huh? You know, he's tormented by spiritual anguish. And a spiritual guide named Evangelist visits Christian and urges him to leave the city of destruction and tells him salvation can only be found in the celestial city known as Mount Zion. Along the way, he's tempted by distractions and shortcuts. You know, it's, a, it's an odyssey tale, right? But Christian perseveres. And at one point in the story, he's directed by the gatekeeper named Goodwill to go to the Wicket Gate, not the Wicked Gate, but the Wicket Gate, which is the beginning of the straight and narrow King's Highway. These names are simplistic, right? But they get the job done of informing you, the reader, that, hey, this is what it's like to have faith in Jesus and try to live a life as His. Pilgrim's Progress basically illustrates in an entire novel what these few words of Jesus in Luke 13 mean. We wrestle with the same temptations, try to take the easy way out, take shortcuts get distracted, give up, and despair over life's adversities. And yet, Jesus invites us to make every agonizing effort to persevere and enter the kingdom of heaven through the narrow door. Sounds hard, and it is. It can be harder for some than others. But the good news in all this is, is that Jesus is the one who's fought off the forces of evil already for you. He's opened the narrow door to his kingdom for you to enter in. He's opened it. And later Luke will recount Jesus praying in the garden of the Mount of Olives before his arrest and beating. And that word agonize will appear again as he prays because he knows his death will be agonizing. But that agony opens the narrow door of salvation to you and me. So, you may be wondering then, well, if Jesus suffered and died for us to open the door, why is there effort needed to go in? Because while the door is open, the door is also closing. And if we don't agonize, if we don't make the effort, the door will be closed, Jesus says, once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us, and then he will answer you, I do not know where you come from. The point being, don't lollygag around. Don't spend your life being distracted by the riches and pleasures of the world. Make every effort to press on to the goal of salvation and eternal life. Jesus has opened the door for you. The cross and the open tomb mean the door of salvation is open too. What people need to know is, it's a limited time offer. And we're all familiar with limited time offers, right? Some offers, or some stores offer them at certain times, or they're available during the general store hours. But not every store is open 24 hours a day. We've all been there. We realize at the last minute we need something from the store only to show up and discover the door is locked. It's closed. You get that feeling of disappointment. You missed it. You were distracted doing something else and you missed the time frame, lost track of time. You were goofing off and didn't pay attention. You lost track of time and didn't do what you were supposed to do. But there's people in the store. There's employees in there, right? Maybe there's a chance they'll let you in. You knock and, stay and say, hey, can I, can I come in? I, I just need... They shake their heads and they say, we're closed. You trudge home disappointed. We hear these words of Jesus in Luke, and we learn that there will be some people on the last day of this world who are going to be disappointed. They'll plead with Jesus the Master, open the door to us, and they'll make excuses. We ate and drank with you, and you taught in our streets. We sat in your pews, we attended your services and church events, and Jesus will say, I don't know where you come from. Rather than open the door, the door will be closed, and many will be turned away, while only a few will be included in the feast that will come. So we circle back to the question people ask Jesus. Lord, will those who are saved be few? Jesus has taught us that that's the wrong question. The question is, will you be saved? And if so, how can you be saved? Well, salvation comes through knowing Jesus. Not just, oh, I know of him, like I know the name of so-and-so, But to know Jesus in a deeper way, know where he comes from, know who his ancestors are and what they were about, know what he is and what he's done, know what he is still yet to do. You know your spouse intimately, don't you? You know their entire backstory. well hopefully you do. (laughs) You know your children, your children know you. You know your parents. Even if you were adopted, you know your adoptive parents' backstory intimately. You are in relation to these people, and you know them. Jesus has opened the door for you to be in relationship with Him as His dear child. You think He doesn't know you intimately? He made you. He's made a way for you to be His and Him to be yours through His death and resurrection. He's declared Himself to be the door, and anyone who enters by Him will be saved. He laid down His life for you, to know you, and to be known by you. And He wants you to make Him known to more people. So today, the door stands open. The invitation remains, strive to enter through the narrow door. While there's breath in your lungs, there's hope for each one of us. So don't ignore the open door. Amen.